good morning to the best church in the world. And I hope every pastor feels the, the way that I feel, that I pastor the best sheep, the best people of God in the entire world. I'm talking about Strong Tower Bible Church. Are y'all in the house? <laughs> I know you're in the house and God is in the house with you. He's in each one of our hearts. He knits us together by his grace, by his love. He is a wonder. He is a blessing. He is amazing. He is mighty. And he is with us, Emmanuel. Well, amen. <laughs> amen. Oh, man. Can I get an amen in the house? Praise the Lord. God is good. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we just heard from some of the redeemed of God. And they were able to testify to encourage us. You know, I, I like to say every now and then that uh, when God is blessing my neighbor, man, I need to be happy for my neighbor because that also means God's in the neighborhood and maybe he's going to drop by my house next because he is no respect of persons. He shows no partiality. What he's done for others, he can do for you. Um, he's a good God. He, he, he's so personable with each and every one of us. And so, um, as I mentioned earlier, we will continue to pray for you. Keep sending those prayer requests in. The elders, the staff, the men's ministry, the women's ministry, we pray for you. We believe in the power of prayer. Talking to God about it. Giving it to God. Praying in the name of Jesus and trusting him for the results. Amen. So we just heard some awesome things. Now it's time for the word of God. Let's pray we can hear something else awesome. Amen. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. All right. Now you can't turn to it on your phone because if you're watching me on your phone, you know, so, so get your Bible. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'll begin reading at verse 7. And y'all know me. I read from the New King James Version of the Bible. And I'll start at verse 7. And the Bible reads, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. So give me a few moments today to talk on the subject of faith and reality. Faith and reality. Let me pray. Dad, thank you for your word. Thank you that you speak. Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us through your word, by your spirit, and you speak to us in the name of your son, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As we've said earlier, earlier, you are a personable God. Although you are here for billions of people, you make it seem like we're the only people on the planet because of how personal and intimate and close you get to each one of us. You know what we have need of before we ask. You know every hair that is on our head. You know every pain that is in our heart. You know everything about us, Lord, and you still love us. If we make our bed in hell, you're still there loving us to raise us up with the wings of an eagle to fly and make our bed in heaven. Lord, you search our heart. You know everything about us. You're so great. You're so majestic. You're so kind. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through the scriptures and through this medium 
of technology. Thank you, God. Have your way today. And for anyone watching who doesn't know the Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation and a man, woman, boy or girl would say, Lord, be merciful to me. I'm a sinner. Jesus, save me. Lord, I pray that you would save souls today. For we ask it all in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Faith and reason. I heard a story not too long ago about a grandfather who took his grandson to the Macy's Day Parade in New York City. And so as they went to this parade, there were thousands upon thousands of people in attendance. And so like all of those people, this grandfather and his grandson found a spot on the street in order to watch the bands go by, uh, in order to watch the floats go by. So they, they, they positioned themselves. But unfortunately, the grandson was a little short. And he could not see over the crowd, kind of like a Zacchaeus kind of a thing. And so since there wasn't a sycamore tree for him to climb, the grandfather picked his grandson up, put him on his shoulders so that he could see better. And so the grandson is able to see the parade. He's having a good time. You know, the ladies out there throwing up the the batons and the band is going. Charlie Brown float goes by and the Sonic the Hedgehog float goes by. The grandchild's having a great time. But in about 15 minutes, the grandchild says to his grandfather, granddad. Grandfather said, yes. The grandson said, I don't see Bullwinkle. Is Bullwinkle coming to the parade? I I, I don't see Bullwinkle. I see Charlie Brown. I I see Sonic the Hedgehog, but I don't see my favorite, which is Bullwinkle. And the grandfather said to his grandson, trust me, son, Bullwinkle is on the way. Ah, Bullwinkle is on the way. How did the grandfather know that the float of Bullwinkle, that moose would be coming when he didn't see the float. Well, the grandfather was a retired helicopter pilot and he used to work for one of the local television stations that would every year uh, film the parade. And so by being in the helicopter, he had a bird's eye view of everything as the Macy's Day Parade came down the street. And so because he was used to that, doing that year after year, he knew when the floats would come out of the warehouse, the huge warehouse where all the floats would come out and make their way uh, down the procession along the parade route. And so he knew what was coming because of his former job. So he could say to his grandson, Bullwinkle is on the way. And I just want to let somebody know today, it's not so much that Bullwinkle is on the way, but your blessing is on the way. And I'm not necessarily talking about a material blessing, even though there are some of us who stand in need of material blessings. There are some of us in Strong Tower who have lost our jobs and we need a job. We need a job and employment blessing. Uh, there, there are some of us who, who need this blessing, a healing. So, so, so it's okay to wait on what the Lord has for us. And I just want to say the blessing is on the way. Well, well, how do I know that? 
because I am choosing to live my life like this grandfather, not with a bird's eye view, but with a heavenly eye view. Because when you're down on the ground level, watching the parade of life, all you see is what's in front of you. And what you need to realize is that there's more uh, to the eye than what you see with your eyes. You can see in this space, but there's more down the road that's coming your way. And if you have a high enough view, you can not only see where you are, but you can also see what's coming your way. And so Paul lived with a heavenly eye view or a kingdom perspective. And because Paul had this kingdom perspective, he was able to put life's parade in his proper perspective because he knew that what he saw in front of him was not all that there was concerning the processional. And so today I want to remind us with the truths that Paul reminded the church at Corinth that there's more to life than what you see. What you see is real. It's right in front of us. It's tangible. We live in this world. We live in this flesh. We have senses of the eyes and, 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 and hearing and taste and all of that and feeling. So we're, we're humans. We live in a world, a physical world. We see things that hurt us. But we need to realize that there's more to the eye than what we can see with the eye. All we see is not all there is. So as Paul was encouraging the church at Corinth to have a heavenly view in order to deal with reality, to have faith, a spirit of faith, to deal with the struggles and the pain and the traumas and the issues we go through. Because Jesus himself said, in this life, you will have tribulation. I'm saved, but I still have tribulation. But Jesus went on to say, but be of good cheer because I've overcome. So the tribulation you're going through, yet yeah, it's real, but so is your faith. So is your God. And he's using this stuff to grow us, but also to prepare us for the life to come. Oh my, are you ready? Let's dig into the passage a little bit because having faith doesn't deny reality okay we're not so heavenly minded that we're not earthly conscious <laughs> you know it's real so having faith doesn't deny reality but having faith allows me to face reality and to face it in a way that honors God you see we were saved by faith amen and we are called to walk or live by faith not by sight so sight comes into play in our lives, obviously, because we're humans and we have the ability to see for those of us who have that, that, that gift from God. But we're not to be ruled or led by what we see any more than we're to be ruled by our own understanding. Because in the book of Proverbs, we're told to trust in the Lord, have faith in the Lord and to do so with all of our heart and not to lean on our own understanding, but to acknowledge him in all of our ways and he'll make our path straight. What am I saying? The senses are real. The world is real, but God is saying there's much more. Yes, I'm a citizen of America, but my citizenship is also from above. 
Yeah, I'm here in my house, but Ephesians says I'm also seated in heavenly places. So I need to face reality or dig it. I need to faith reality. I need to trust God because when it boils down to it in James chapter one, we're told that we need to count it all joy because the testing of our faith produces perseverance, not the testing of our eyes or the testing of our mind. It's the testing of our faith. God wants to grow us in our faith so that we're not ruled by reality. Reality, we live in it, but we're not ruled by reality. You see, reality has a word. It has a word, but not the only word. And it surely doesn't have the last word. By faith, we believe that God has the most powerful and the most authoritative word, and he always has the last word. So although I live in this flesh and in this world, this is real. But God lets me know, again, my citizenship is from above. I've been born from above. I've been born again. I'm just passing through. So let me become spiritual, more spiritually minded as I live in a physical, real world. So let's start in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians which is of chapter four, which is Paul's most personal letter. He becomes very transparent, very vulnerable with this church that he planted. And he said to them in verse seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What treasure is he talking about? Well, if we were to read ahead or before rather in verse six, he talks about the light of the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, that God has shown his light into our hearts. And by faith, we have grasped Jesus Christ. And, and because of faith in Christ, God's light, the spirit of Christ is now shining in our hearts. And this is what Paul calls a treasure. And so, so the presence of God is with us. We have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, and, 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 and God's spirit bears witness with our human spirit that we're sons and daughters of God. And, and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit is a treasure for us. So God lives on the inside of us. The light has shone into our dark lives, into our dark hearts. We're new people who are in process. We're, we're, we're not the same. We're, we're new. And this treasure, oh, he's so precious. The spirit of God lives in us. And Paul says, we have this treasure, the excellence, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Because this treasure is in earthen vessels. But the power is from God and not from us. Verse eight, we are hard pressed on every side. So just because I have this treasure, just because I have this light, the, the presence of Jesus in my life, the indwelling Holy Spirit, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us as orphans. You came to us and you indwelt us. Light is in our lives. But just because I'm saved and just because you're saved, that doesn't mean you won't go through hard times. And so Paul says, we have this treasure. Then he says in verse eight, we're hard pressed on every side. 
So that is reality. Mm -hmm. Reality. So Paul is saying to those believers in the first century, we're hard pressed on every side. In other words, the walls are closing in on them and they, and they feel like they are about to be crushed. But here's where faith comes in. He says, although we're hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. That's faith. Reality is, I, I, I feel like, man, it, it's hard pressed. But faith says, I'm not crushed. So what we're going to see here is we're going to see faith and reality, how these two can work together. And, and, and I love this word yet. That's a powerful conjunction. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. And if we as believers can add a yet to our vocabulary, oh my, it, it will change everything. Um, I think it was Job who said, though he slay me, talk about being crushed. Then he went on to say, yet will I trust him. So where else are you going to go? You can't go to anyone else to find words of eternal life. You can't find anyone else that's going to be a friend that's going to stick closer than a brother. You got to trust him even when you feel life is crushing you. But you're not by yourself. You have a savior who's been here and who knows what you're going through and what I'm going through. Why? Because when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to Calvary, he was crushed in the garden. Because the word Gethsemane means olive crush or, or the place where olives were crushed in order to get the oil from the olives. So Jesus literally was crushed in the garden before he was crucified on Calvary. So when you feel hard pressed, Jesus knows what you're going through and what it feels like. But you also need to claim by faith that you're not crushed. Then he says in verse eight. Uh, we are perplexed, but another powerful conjunction, not in despair. We are perplexed. Reality. Christians can be perplexed. That means we don't know what's going on, but we know who's in control of all that's going on. So again, being saved doesn't mean that I'm super holy and, and I got this faith that never wavers. No, no, here's Paul saying, man, we were perplexed. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to think. But here's where faith kicks in. He says, we are perplexed, but not in despair. So I'm going through it. But man, I'm not in the gutter. I, I'm, I'm not kicked to the curb. I'm not in despair. I'm not so di uh, discouraged that I'm moving into depression. Yeah, it's real what I'm going through, but man, he's holding me. A lot of people talk about just hold on to God's unchanging hand. Okay, but I'm going to hold on to the one that's holding on to me. It's his grip that's greater than my grip. It's his grip on my life that's greater than my grip on him. He holds me when I feel like I can't hold him any longer. My God reality and faith then Paul goes on to say in verse 9 persecuted but not forsaken persecuted is reality the Christians were being persecuted they were being hunted down they were being made examples of they were being martyred 
Christians were being uh, put out of their families because they chose to follow Jesus Christ. Christians were enemies of the state because they bowed down to King Jesus and not the emperor. They were persecuted for their faith in Christ. And Paul says, persecuted, but not forsaken as faith. Reality is, man, I'm going through a hard time and a hard moment. But my faith reminds me that God will never, ever leave me. And he won't forsake me. And then Paul says, we are struck down reality, but not destroyed faith. So you go through things. I go through things. You're not spiritual if you don't tell people that you're hurting. You, you, you know, because a lot of times we think if I tell you I'm hurting, you're going to think I don't have faith. No, tell me that you're hurting. Because that lets me know that you're real and you have faith that God loves you as a mess. A friend of mine uh, has this saying where he says, um, I am a mess, yet I'm still loved by God. So his love secures me enough to say I'm struggling with my kids. And I didn't answer that question right on the survey because one of my needs with my kids, I need to choke one of my kids. Don't amen too loud. All right. That's real. But we also need to speak faith and say, although I'm going through, I know I'm going to get through. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Although I'm going through, I know I'm going to get through and get to what God has for me. Mm -hmm. Look at verse 10. Paul says, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Now he's kind of going into uh, uh, what it's like to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus. Because he starts chapter 4 by talking about since we have received this ministry, we've obtained mercy. Therefore, we don't need to lose heart. Ministry is tough. And you can lose heart in ministry. I know I've lost heart. I've quit so many times. Y'all just didn't know it. Uh, God got a hold of me before I came up and told y'all I quit. Ministry is tough. And so Paul is saying when you're in ministry or when you are a Christian who recognizes that you don't have to be ordained to be a minister, all of us are ministers. And when you start ministering life to people, you're going to go through a whole lot of persecution because the enemy wants you to be silent. He doesn't want you to use what God has given you to pour life into someone else. And Paul says when we do this, we're always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus sake that the life of Jesus also may, may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So as Christians and as Christians who minister we're always going through this thing of dying and living, living and dying, being full of the spirit, being uh, discouraged, depleted in despair. We, we, we go through these things. OK, uh, we're giving out life and, and then we find ourselves just ah, we're up, we're down. We go through this. But he said in verse 12 that death is working in us, but life in you. So what you don't always understand is that in order for me to preach well, I have to die well. God got to take me through some stuff in order that I really know what I'm talking about, what I'm preaching about. God is going to take you through stuff, and he has, so that when you testify, you're just not reciting some cliche. You're able to say, I know God is a way maker. 
I know that God is able to work life in your situation because God has brought life into my situation. But many times as ministers, man, God hurts us in order to use us. Mm, mm, mm. And Paul says in verse 13, and since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So here he is talking about how tough ministry is. And, and he, he tastes death in ministry, uh, a, a kind of spiritual death, a metaphorical death. But he doesn't leave it at death because in the next few verses, he's going to talk about the same God who allowed him to die doing ministry is the same God who's going to give life to his mortal body and raise him up. So the minister goes through crucifixions, resurrections, the growing Christian goes through crucifixions, uh, uh, Good Fridays, but also Easter Sundays. But sometimes we, because of reality, we just want to talk about how bad the crucifixion, the, the death season, the hard season, the dark season is. But Paul is saying, okay, that's real. But you also need to begin to speak by faith that there's a resurrection that is coming in your life. And dare I say, in your circumstances, because the Bible says that death and life are in the power of the tongue and, and, and we receive whichever fruit we speak. So if we speak death, we're going to receive death. If we speak life, we're going to speak, receive life. And I find it easy many times to remain negative, to just talk about the hard times and the death and, and to be pessimistic. But there's someone inside of me, that light that we talked about earlier. The same spirit that raised Jesus up from the dead, he won't let me stay in that place. And, and he begins to raise me up and, and to give me a resurrection, if you will. He takes me out of Sheol and he takes me into paradise. And so if you're in that place right now where you feel like you're in hell, you're struggling, like the psalmist said, I've made my bed in hell, that nothing is going right. Where is God? I just want to tell you, like we sing, that's not how. The story ends. Three days later, he rose again and you're going to rise again and I rise again. Thank God. I am my Angelo saying, uh, I rise, I rise. Oh, come on, church. You're going to get up out of this. You know why? Because you've survived every hard day you've ever been through. Every day you thought you wouldn't make it, God gave you grace and resurrection power to make it through that. And then you died again. Then he resurrected you again. You died again. He resurrected you again. And Paul is saying, by the spirit of faith, based on what is written, we must believe and speak that there will be a resurrection. Look at verse 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. He says, we got to know this. He's going to bring us out of this reality. Man, it stinks. Faith, but God. <laughs> reality, man, this stinks. Faith, but God. He can turn my mourning into dancing. He can put off my sackcloth and give me garments of praise. And like we preached last week, he can turn it around in a matter of 24 hours. But he's also pleased with our faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6. For without faith it's impossible to please him. 
There would be times when Jesus would heal people and he would marvel by their faith. And I want to be one of those people that God marvels at my faith. And my faith is going to show up by what I say and what I speak. Because from the overflow of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. If there's unbelief in my heart, my mouth is speaking unbelief and doubt. But if there is belief in my heart, my mouth is going to speak belief. If there is fear in my heart, my mouth will speak fear. So the spirit of faith is a gift from God that he gives to all of us. That's how we got saved. He gave us this, a dose of faith to put it back in him to get saved. So the spirit of faith is a gift from God to believe God, to trust God, and also to combat the spirit of fear, which comes from Satan. The spirit of faith comes from God. The spirit of fear comes from the devil. And God gives us faith in order to face and faith reality but we got to also speak it that it's real you know jesus would speak faith he would say here's reality we're going into jerusalem and they're going to capture me and they're going to crucify me and i'm going to die that's reality but here comes faith but then he would say but on the third day the son of man will rise again so when you live your life face reality one of my wife's favorite passages is when Abraham faced the fact that his body was good as dead. But he had faith in the promise that God said, I'm going to give you a child, even though you're 100 and your wife pushing 90. So face the facts. This season sucks. But I have faith in God that he can give me beauty. For my ashes. I have faith in God that he can work all things together for good because I love him. I have faith in God that if he can raise a dead Jesus, he can raise a struggling saint. If he can give me Jesus, he can give me a job. If he can give me Jesus, he can give me peace of mind. If he can give me Jesus, he can give me everything that I need for life and godliness. I got to trust him and not only trust him in my heart, but say it with my mouth. I believe God's going to come through for me. And if you start talking like that, more than talking, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what. Come on now. Start speaking life with your mouth. Believe in your heart. Speak it with your mouth. Then Paul says, I'm going to go down. I, I got to close. He says in verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. Why? Because we're going to be raised up. So we're not going to lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Reality, outward man is perishing. Faith, inward man is being renewed every day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. First, Paul is going to mess with us and say, our afflictions are light and they're momentary. Who does he think he is? Doesn't he know what we're all going through? Wait a minute now, hold on. This is the same dude who's going to say in chapter 11 about how he had been beating, beaten, how he'd been shipwrecked, stoned, uh, slept outside. He had been hungry, all of this stuff. So, so, so we need to listen to somebody who's been through stuff like that when he says what we're going through is light. So even in that, he's saying, get it in perspective. Calm down. I know it's bad. But it could be a whole lot worse. This affliction is light 
and it's momentary. Get yourself together. And then he said, as I close, live your life not looking at what is seen. Rather, live your life looking at what you don't see. Because the stuff that you don't see is greater than the stuff that you do see. Because the stuff that you don't see is eternal. And the stuff that we do see, the reality, is temporary. So Paul is encouraging us to have the kind of faith to know that Bullwinkle is coming, even though I don't see him. He's about to pass by. I don't see him right now, but by faith, he's coming. And so the world that we don't see, the world we're going to when we pass, is better and greater than the world we live in. And so Paul is saying, don't focus on reality. Live in reality. Be real with reality. But don't give all authority to reality. Look past reality into the world unseen. Because again, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Never seen Jesus, but I know him. <laughs> Never seen that other world, but it's there. Paul says, put your focus there. And guess what? We do this almost every day. And we do it without even realizing it because God gave us the spirit of faith. We, we were created to be able to believe in an invisible God. Uh, unbelievers can look at creation and know that there is a God, an intelligent designer, if you will. So, so we, we have this ability to believe and to trust. When we get on airplanes, we don't check with the pilot, make sure the pilot graduated from school, had good grades. No, we sit down in our seat and go to sleep because we're able to trust people we don't know and we can't see. And if we can do that with a pilot, why can't we do that with God? But God built us to trust. So God is saying, stop living so naturally or carnally minded or earthly minded. Be spiritual minded. And we do it all the time. When you watch the news, the weather report com comes on. And the weatherman or the weather woman tells you what's coming. They'll say, snow is coming tomorrow. And ain't nobody seen snow today. Rain is coming tomorrow and we don't see rain today. A tornado is coming tomorrow. So today, make preparations for what's going to happen tomorrow. And even though we can't see it, we live like it's coming. We live like the sun is coming tomorrow. We live like the rain is coming tomorrow. We live like a tornado is coming tomorrow. Even though we can't see it, we live by faith in something that is not here yet. And we adjust today based on a weather report. <laughs> so we can believe a weather report. We also got to believe a weather report from God. That whether I live or die, Jesus will be glorified in my body, Paul said by life or by death. I'm going to believe the biblical weather report and not just the real, the reality, the earthly weather report. Even when I'm talking to you right now, I'm looking at a camera, but I'm looking past the camera to you. I can't see you, but I know you're there. I can see the families of Strong Tower. So, so I'm not focusing on this camera. I'm looking at the people of God in Strong Tower Bible Church. I'm looking through this thing to see you. Even though you're not here physically, I know you're there spiritually. So I'm looking past the camera so that I can see you. So look past, look through the, the, all this stuff that's with us. It's temporary. Our tri tri trials, our challenges, they're temporary. 
Trust the God who is eternal. Trust the God who has a better day coming for us. Not only in eternity, but tomorrow. A better day is whenever we wake up. Amen.